From Orlando, Florida and Tulsa, Oklahoma, welcome to the 1330 Podcast with your hosts, Keith Neighbor and Brent Bailey. Pulling from nearly half a century of experience, Brent and Keith share unique wisdom and proven insight to build the leader within you. Interact with us now on Facebook and Twitter at 1330podcast or email your questions and comments to 1330podcast at gmail.com. The 1330 Podcast starts right now. Well, hey, everybody. I'd like to welcome you to the 1330 Podcast. I'm Keith Naver. Uh, I'm Brent Bailey. How's welcome. everybody doing? Welcome, everyone. Glad to have you guys. Hey, Britt, last time we were uh, we ended, we were talking. You were telling us about a, an individual, a friend of yours that used to work for Disney. Yes, and uh, he was a rising star within the company. One of and, the uh, youngest vice presidents in the company's history. And uh, they asked him a question about where he wanted to be in five years or so, and he said, "Hopefully, uh, filling up my desk where Mister Eisner's at right now." And apparently, that was offensive to them. And He's no longer with the company. He's no longer with the company. So and, what happened there? Well, they they uh, they came and they asked him. They said, "What what's going? What what do you mean by saying something like that?" And uh, he said, "I'm sorry. I thought I worked for a company that when you wish upon a star and it makes no difference who you are, uh, your dreams will come true. You know, anything your heart desire will come to you. That's the words to the song." And he quoted that right to them. And he said, "I guess that doesn't apply here." And uh, it was an intimidating response to them because he was go gunning for the, the top position. But now what Simon does is in the, he goes around coaching Fortune 500 companies and all kinds of stuff now. Um, because, and, they, and they wish they, would still, they still had him. Right. You know, and he still has great relationship with the company besides that. I mean, he knows a lot of the executives and stuff there still. But they were so rocked and so rattled by and, – and, you know, he had already achieved something hardly anybody has ever done there at, at that age. He had achieved a vice presidency in a, in a top-level executive position. And uh, they, they were so intimidated by that. And you'd think if a company that makes $40 billion a year is doing all right, you, you, you wouldn't be intimidated by one of your vice presidents who's really shooting to, to get to the top. Because I would think that that's what they were preparing those guys for, that because where's their next president going to come from? You'd think it would yeah, be from the, vice the, from the ranks. It would right. be one of the vice presidents that would go in. Did you ever, ever have anybody ask you that question? Or you know, when you were talking that they said, well, you know, ultimately if I could choose a job, I want yours? I actually have had people say that to me, yeah. See, I have too. Yeah. Did you get rid of them when they said that? No. In fact, the guy that took my place was one of the guys that told me that. I actually held on to him and, and actually I actually recommended him for the job. Right. Um, but uh, in the meantime, until then, I gave him more opportunity. I, I, I let him you know, do things within the, um, the group there. Um, actually gave him a, a school, uh, a Sunday school class, so yep. to speak, uh, uh, put him in charge of a, another department, um, let him start doing uh, video announcements, put him up in front of people, let him speak more often. It didn't intimidate me at all because I ultimately whether or not I went anywhere rested upon me. Right. See, I have a friend of mine. We used to talk about this a lot of, of people that were high capacity individuals. Yeah. One of the things that we, that we would talk about with it was, we were always training who was next. You know, I used to, you know, and it, you know, it's kind of morbid, but I was always, I always used to joke around that I had, at one point I had, 
it was either four or five guys that used to be youth pastors that volunteered with me. And I would, I had a pastor pull me aside one day and said, Keith, that's just a recipe for disaster. And I said, why is that a recipe for disaster? He said, because those guys are, are gunning for your job. And I said, good. I go, how awful is it for me that if something goes on and I'm not standing right there, that I've got five people who know how to respond. And I said, these guys don't want my job because they already know how much work it is. How much did we pull out of those guys too, though? I know, but they, but they know the responsibility and they know the issues of being in charge. And, the, and every one of them, I had this conversation with all of them. You know, where do you guys want to go? What do you want to do? How can I help you get there? And every one of them made the statement, I do not want your job, just so you know. Yeah. But they, they, they valued the opportunity, and they said, I've, I'm in the greatest place of my life right now because I get to do ministry with none of the responsibility that, you ha- that goes along with being yeah. the guy in charge. Yeah. So they didn't intimidate me. But I, I always used to tell everybody all the time, I'm always training my replacement. And if I were to die in a fiery crash, you know, on my way home from church tonight, there's four to six individuals that could take my place and do it as good or better than I'm doing it because I allowed them the opportunity to do it. I wasn't scared that somebody else could step in and do as good of a job or a better job than I did. How, how much, though, and I said it a second, how much did we get out of those guys? Oh, we got tons, tons I mean, out of them. Keith and I used to write our messages together, and we'll do a podcast all about that one oh, yeah. where we're talking about message prep and stuff like that. But we did. We used to write our messages together, and we would preach on the same topics, and we pulled in three old youth pastors and a couple of young guys that were students. Yeah. And I remember sitting there and all of every all five or six of us that were in the room were all contributing on a on a uh creative level that you could tell everybody had brought their A game that day. So we're yeah. all throwing out things and we're all writing it up on the board. And then we start scratching off what's going to go and what's not going to go. And it's not just all me and your stuff. Oh, no. I mean, we had good ideas, but we were, some of ours didn't make the cut. Yep. And regularly, when we, when we would preach those messages, those guys would sit up a little straighter in their chair and smile just yes, a little they bit would. more. And they knew. And then they wouldn't stand up and go, I made that point. I t-. They would just... They knew that they had contributed to the greater good of ministering to the 150, 200, 300 teenagers that were there that night. And those guys, because we were able to look past how good they were and how it would affect us, we were able to pull some amazing things out of them. Right. And that's, that's where you come back and you look at these people when we, when we run them off because we get scared of them. They're not scared of us, but we get scared of them. You know, you come back and you look at that. I would ask my, and I, and I did ask myself this question when I, because there were some people when I was younger, I ran them off. I mean, bottom line, I was, you know, I was scared. I was young. I was intimidated by what they were doing and I didn't value them. And I look back and, and so I'd ask myself that question. I mean, is there somebody that I wish that I could have back? And the answer to that is always yes. Always. But I think the follow-up question of that comes to, is there something that I can do to get that person back? And in some cases, they've moved away or they've moved on, and the answer is no. So then I have to come back and apply it and say, am I exhibiting that same behavior 
and that same intimidation by the people that I currently have? Mm. And am I scaring them off? And do I need to make adjustments and changes in the way that I lead and the way that I deal and interact with them to make sure that they feel valued and welcomed and like they're contributing and I'm not holding them back and, you know, throttling them back too much. Which, which means, means this, you have got to start being honest with yourself. Yeah. Because a lot of times we put up that front and we go, well, they left because, and we left, and they left because, and, and oh, we, they're just and we, offended, Brand. They're throwing right under the bus. Yep. But, but now, and don't get me wrong, there are legitimate times of that happening. There are legitimate times when people leave because they were dumb. Yeah. Okay. But if you can honestly answer yes, and you don't have to answer us, or you don't have to answer any, I'm talking about you can answer yourself to yourself legitimately. No, I didn't contribute. Then just take what we're saying and throw it out the window. But if yeah. you can't honestly say to yourself that you didn't have something to do with them and making their life miserable until they left or cutting them back you know, because you didn't want them there anymore or whatever, what are you changing? How are you making changes to, to, to keep that from happening next time? Because you're, you're, you are squarely now the reason why your organization isn't going up anymore. Yeah, you're the you're the limiting factor. You're you the, are the ceiling. Yeah, you're the governor of it that that's throttled everybody back. And now, if again, if you can't answer yes, that yeah, I, I don't have any. If it's completely clueless to you, and you that that's not, then ignore what we're saying. But if you can honestly say it to yourself, then understand this: you now have identified the reason your company, your church, or your business isn't growing. You. Well, and that that comes down, you know, John Maxwell talks we, we about We still that. love you. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, John Maxwell talks about the levels of leadership. Yeah. You know, and the and the lowest level of leadership is people pos- that, positional. I mean, yeah, people follow they, you because I have to. Yeah, absolutely. And the and the highest level is they follow you because they want to. Yes. And you're not going to get that what that to that place and he even says it, that you're not going to get to that place with a lot of people. You know, but they, you know, they, cause they, they're following you because they want to and because of, you know, who you are and what you've done. And you've got to be someplace for a long time in order for that to happen. And, and we'll talk about longevity and ministry and, you know, in some, in a, in a coming podcast or two. But when, when you come back and look at these people that are around you, what, again, how are you allowing them to contribute? How are you allowing them to to voice what they have to say? And just because somebody isn't, you know, your your, you know, one of your high level, high capacity individuals doesn't mean that they can't contribute. And I, you know, I think we write a lot of people off, Brent, that we look at as it's like, oh, well, you know, well, that's just, you know, that's just Keith, and you know, he's just this or he's just that. You know, I, we used to do question and answer stuff. We'd survey the teenagers. And some of the best ideas that we had came from our teenagers, yeah. our students, not from our volunteers, not from me and you sitting down and brainstorming this stuff out. It came from a sixth grader or a ninth grader or one of the, you know, whatever age they were. And sometimes you'd, you'd think, my Lord, I cannot believe that that kid just came up with an idea like that because we had no idea that they were capable of it. And it shocked us. So much so, because it wasn't it. The idea didn't the idea didn't come from the area that we thought it was going to come from. Yeah, I mean, and let's just call it what it is. You know, you you got teams in the companies of of you know 
production teams and, and project manager teams and those kind of things. And they're paid to do that. Okay. Uh, and you're expecting all the answers to come from those folks. Churches have committees yep. and, and those kind of things. But sometimes pastors will tell you all their good ideas come from prayer and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit answers through people you don't expect them to answer through, like he did with a donkey in the Old Testament. Yep. You know what I mean? And and I'm not calling other people jackasses. I'm just saying right. it's a it is it, it's you can't you have to take the governing the the limiting factor off of where the Lord's going to speak to you from. And allow, and be open for him to speak through anybody. And have enough sense to recognize there's people there that are good at what they do. You need to allow them to do what they do. I, I always think that the team is better than, you know, we are better than me. Absolutely. Every time. Yeah, always. We, we can accomplish more as, as a team and as a group moving forward because my vision isn't big enough. My vision isn't, you know, I've got big vision, but I'm not capable of doing it all on my own. At all, on any level am I capable? You as a pastor of a church, Brent, you're not capable of doing everything that God has called your church to do. I wish I could say I was, but I'm not. You're not. There's And, and if you are able to do it, then your vision's too small. Yeah. You, you've, exact, you're, exactly you, have, right. you have shrunk everything down to the point where it is all about you. And when you can do it all yourself, then where is God in that? These are thought-provoking and interesting things. We wish we had more time, but uh, the format calls for 1330 Thank you so much for being with us. We're going to wrap it up. We want to hear from you, though. Email us at 1330podcast at gmail.com. I hope to hear from you soon next time. This is Brent. I'm Keith. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll come back with you guys in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us for the 1330 Podcast with Brent and Keith. We want to hear from you. Find us on Facebook and Twitter today at 1330podcast or email us directly at 1330podcast at gmail.com. Join us next time for another 13 minutes and 30 seconds geared to change you into the leader that you and those who follow you want you to be.